Hi everyone, Tom here. As you might have heard on last week's episodes, we pre-recorded this show because we're on a break this week, which is why there's nothing in the show about Jerry Jordison's tragic passing in the past week. Uh, we will definitely be talking about that once we're back, but uh, we haven't re- recorded since the news broke, so uh, just thought we should have this little thing to let you know why. But with that said, here's this week's show. Welcome to Hellbent Metal, the podcast that takes the world's most aggressive, heaviest and matching music and explains how it's all camp as a Kenneth Williams tribute, presented by Graham Norton. Uh, I'm not sure who'd be more confused by that analogy, though. A homophobic death metal fan or Graham Norton? Probably Graham, isn't it? Probably Graham. As much as I love it. But I don't know. I think if we showed him some videos, he'd be like, no, I see it. I see it. Whereas I think the homophobic metal fan would be like, what? Let's just metal, innit? I don't know why he's now from South East London, but... <laughs> yeah, Graham does seem like a bit of a lad, to be honest. He seems like a lad. He gets a surprising number of footballers on his show, actually. So I, I never thought I would have seen, you know, back in the day, Didier Drogba on the Graham Norton show, but he was on there. Well, maybe he knows something that we don't. He had awesome... <laughs> wait, he's had quite a few. I, I think Didier Drogba is... Actually, Didier Drogba is, seems like that. he's got a very stable family life, so it's probably not him. But um, maybe he's just... <laughs> He just knows who all the gay footballers are and uh, they don't want to be accidentally outed so they get their mates to come on the show. Arsene Wenger, do you want to go on the Graham Norton show? Yeah, cool, great. Thanks, but bail me out of the hole. Um, that's probably a very libelous story, but uh, fuck it. Uh, but anyway, this is Hellbent for Metal, the LGBT plus heavy metal podcast in association with Knotfest. This is episode 39. We are nearly 40, Matt. Um, you have so no old. idea what that fit. So old. Your mum's old. No. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where that came from. Apparently I'm sensitive about that particular <laughs> topic. Uh, as you can tell, with me as usual is a man who... Actually, I need to get something off my chest. Uh, every time I try and write one of these intros for you, Matt, because you're from Lincoln, I keep thinking of things that Lincoln is famous for to make jokes with. Um, but the only things that I know that Lincoln is famous for is having a cathedral, which has a really massive spire, and sausages, both of which can only end somewhere massively inappropriate. Oh so with oh me is the man who I am never going to refer to as our Lincolnshire sausage because he will have every right to shout at me and yeah, like, please leave. That's not gonna. That's not gonna happen. So no, no. Although I'm. There are probably people who'd be quite flattered by that description, but I'm not sure in this particular context it would be a uh, a compliment. Hello, Matthew Rushton. Hello. Hello, Tom. Long time no see. How have you been? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It's, it's been so long. We've uh, we've mm. literally, literally uh, not turned the call off since we finished episode 38. <laughs> Can I just say, though, we did also invent tanks and gravity. That was invented here. In Lincoln? Gravity yeah. was invented in Lincoln? Gravity was... <laughs> yeah. By, by invented, you mean discovered? Invented. Isaac Newton invented gravity. He's a very clever man. Oh, so he, so he invented a force of uh, of uh, physics which has existed throughout all universes since the Big Bang. Yes. He was a clever man, that Isaac, wasn't he? Very. Uh, <laughs> this has gone somewhere <laughs> I really didn't expect. Um, as I mentioned just a second ago and last week, we're not really here this week. I've had a week off and Matt is recovering from a Leeds-induced hangover slash hasty deletion of delete of direct messages uh, we recorded this straight after we recorded episode 38 so if there's something major that's happened in metal and all the lgbt plus community that you expected us to talk about sorry we can't try time travel it doesn't exist yet isaac newton hasn't invented it in lincoln yet um so that will have to wait but we begin this week with an in my kingdom queer this is where we talk to someone from the lgbt plus community who makes metal happen this week we're talking to Abby, the vocalist in UK black metal band Underdark, who have just put an out an, put out an album. This will come out the uh, Friday before this episode comes out. So, uh, though we can't time travel, we can hear albums early. Um, Underdark are in that particular vein of black metal where some people describe them as post black metal, and that I get grumpy because that doesn't exist. And despite having a name which is literally straight out of the Forgotten Realms Dungeons Dragons setting. They actually only sing about real-world stuff like social issues. Uh, anyway, Abby is part of the LGBT plus community, uh, and so naturally, I wanted to talk to her. Here's how we got on. 
Hi, I'm Abby Vasquez. I am the singer of the band Underdark. I am a transgender woman and I guess also a lesbian. It's funny how these things work out, right? It's always amazing how people think that your gender identity and your sexuality are somehow automatically linked when they're completely connected. It's Mm. very strange. Anyway. Yeah, a a lot of people when I was uh, still male presenting kind of assumed I was a gay man, even like even while I was sort of going about my then presumed hetero way, but that's interesting. It is. I I, I personally take it as a compliment towards my sense of style. But yeah, yeah, probably just if 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 you didn't dress so well, people <laughs> would just wouldn't have assumed it. Um, speaking of of um, people uh, assuming things, what's your experience of being out in in metal? What's it? What's the kind of the experience of other people and the scene being like? Thus far, overwhelmingly positive. Um, I think that's primarily testament to the, you know, the caliber of fans we have, the good people who come to our shows. I, I was fully sort of expecting, especially given black metal and its reputation for attracting a few, you know, a few people who spent a little bit too long on 4chan. Um, yeah. um, you know, and... Like I was definitely expecting some sort of trouble, but it was it it's been fine. The the only time anyone's mentioned my gender at all was uh just making a just making some sort of crack of and like I I don't want to do a disservice to the guy because he was being ironic when he was saying, Oh, I was worried that, you know, I heard a woman was fronting my band <laughs> and it's like no it, like he was saying it in a joking way, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it was a sort of a, a satire of um, certain types of metal fan, but uh, yeah, that that's the only like comment or mention I've had in reference to it, and that that's been it's been kind of refreshing to just sort of be able to slot in in a way because uh, prior to that I was in a um, in a grind band and the. That's, you know, a very, like, politically radical scene, very, like, yeah. and there'd always be this sort of, like, sense of, uh, did, did we earn our spot here or is it because of my identity? <laughs> you know, like, anytime, really? anytime we're getting booked for something, and that is probably just my paranoia working overtime, but it's still a bit, like, you know, we, we you know, a lot of people seem to know who we are quite quickly. Is this, am I... You, you you do like the band, right? Yeah, it's it is interesting that the the grind and hardcore scenes have had some very encouraging mm. positive discrimination. Yeah, that they you know there there are promoters and labels who've said we are creating a space for people who are in some way marginalised. So we're particularly talking about women, members of the LGBT community, and people of colour, and seeing that has been really encouraging and there's kind of it's metal's lagged behind but is 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 it me or does it feel like we've kind of turned a corner a little bit and that metal's starting to do better in that regard now i think very much so i think i think like the average metalhead is quite neutral towards the issues themselves but is maybe averse to feeling like they're having something pushed on them yeah a really obvious example would be you know nobody is really bothered that rob halford is gay yeah i think like overall the sort of average metal fan is quite neutral to it maybe leaning a little bit in favor of well yeah you know gay dude playing metal trans woman playing metal it's dope it's cool it's whatever but the where where it becomes an issue is you get like the quite socially conservative minority who have like mistaken like the aesthetics of power for like a, a kind of like a pass for bigotry, you know. Yes. Um, and I mean, like especially within extreme metal, you get people who will try to say controversial things just for the sake of being controversial which is um ultimate black metal edged lord uh, it's, it's really childish to be honest uh, yeah you know like you, you encounter a few of them 
you know, every, every now and then. I, I'm fairly active on, like, Facebook and stuff. Don't tell people how old I am. But, um, but like, you know, you, you're talking to someone and they, see, and they seem fine and they shoot you an ad and then you see in their banner they've got, like, race mixing is treason and you're just like, come on, man. Jesus fucking oh, Christ. <laughs> And it's it's really weird because like a lot of the time because I mean like I'm pretty clear about the fact that you know I'm Anglo Mexican you know like th this bloodline is mixed as shit right here, but like you know I I'm pretty like open about that so it's it, you know clearly this gentleman who believes race mixing to be treason as proclaimed by his banner doesn't have a problem with that so he's clearly just got that to be edgy and you're sort of like why man like to what end what what are you actually doing there yeah but you you mentioned you haven't it's been overwhelmingly positive so that, that kind of the the black metal edge lord or the or the person who is a bit more kind of socially conservative has are you just from what you're saying you haven't kind of run into them in the flesh it's been yeah on the i mean if if i i i've yeah, I, I'm pretty much entirely yet to encounter anyone who, who in person who certainly is willing to express said views. I mean, they they may hold those views in private. I I can't read minds, but I I think it's um, yeah. Like I I think in person, the the average metalhead is completely fine with uh, you know with people from any sort of background, really. So. Would you say then that for you, actually, the experience of, of being at shows, either as a fan or in bands, is one that's basically been kind of in, in almost inherently affirming by the fact that there haven't been any problems? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's been really great. It's It's kind of just like slotting into society like I always wanted to. And, you know, especially with... You know, especially with black metal, there's always going to be like a contingent of the audience who, you know, is all painted up and looking kind of freaky. And so it doesn't really matter that I, you know, I'm choosing to wear like however many pounds of makeup or whatever, you know, it's uh... good, good makeup rather than you know, war paint. Yeah. Ah, no, that stuff looks cool too, man. Like, I, I, yeah, you know, I, I, I tend to prefer looking like this because that's what i prefer but you know i, I like corb's paint man you know it's cool <laughs> yeah the, there is the there is the the black metal corpse painted trans presentation which i have mm. seen can actually look fucking metal as hell hell yeah so it can it can really work if mm. someone goes no this is me and i'm fucking metal yeah it's it's really like you've seen Feminazgo all around, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, yeah, Yo, exactly. that that is that is some fucking right there, man. Uh, for those of you listening, I, I you know I, I just gave a little comrade salute, fist in the air type thing, you know. But yeah, they're dope as hell, and and it really helps when the music itself is like this rallying cry, and you know it. it I can imagine being like a younger version of myself hearing that and going, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, I'm doing it too. I'm going to do that now, you know? So there was a time then when you kind of, you would have looked at the present and thought that's not possible. Well, that's that's kind of, that's what I want, but it's never going to happen. A hundred percent, yeah. Like I, I came out quite, um, I guess, quite late in life. I mean, like in my sort of like, towards the tail end of my early 20s, Oh God! I think it was about twenty-three. I, I, you know, made the announcement. So, I guess not super late in life, but definitely, um, definitely older than quite a few people. And for like a lot of my teens, um, you know, because growing up through the noughties, that was always, you know, trans people were always a punchline, especially trans women. You know, and you, you know, like you come up in a culture that sort of like is. Uh, you know, very like, like it fetishizes you, and it at the same time is like very vocally revulsed by you. Yeah. But it, and I, I mean, I was quite an edgy kid. You know, I liked all those cartoons that your parents are all like, "Oh, that's got swears in it." Why are you watching that? But 
you know, I, I was pretty bombarded with like trans women are a punchline. They are like an inherently sexual being, which you're also like supposed to perform revulsion of. And so that that was sort of what I grew up thinking. And at the same time, it's like, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm six, three, six, four, and I'm not exactly skinny. And I'm just sort of like, I, so that there's no sort of way I can sort of, I can sort of fit femininity as it were and then and then um at the age of uh at the age of 23 i had a near-death experience and was sort of like right okay i'm gonna actually just like you know i i've i've been to the edge now like i i've come about as close to oblivion as you can get without jumping off so i'm just gonna I'm just going to do exactly what I want to do now because, you know, like if the coin landed on the other side, I could have been fucking dead. So I'm, I'm just like everything from here on out is exactly authentically me. And that's when I decided to make the decision to, um, to start transitioning. Uh, wow. So, so yeah. it was, it was, it, it took that much. I would have much rather just listened to a record, you know? <laughs> <laughs> would have yeah, much rather yeah. just listened to something that inspired me and been like, you know what, I'm gonna be myself. But yeah, no, it it, it takes a lot to get through to my dumb ass. <laughs> well, is it that though, or is it you know, there's an awful like if you grew up in, I grew up in the you know, late nineties, early noughties. There was a lot of conditioning that was kind of saying, this is bad, this is bad, feel guilty, don't do that like women so i kind of i have a little bit of insight it's obviously a very different thing but i i kind of i i have some insight into how much kind of how much you've got to battle through to realize no fuck off they're all wrong i'm there's nothing wrong with me this is who i am i mean like you you say it's different but ultimately it's the same thing it's being bombarded culturally you know on a in like a passive way on a massive scale of yeah. like you know that that thing that you think about yourself keep it secret otherwise everybody will hate you because it's a joke on it's a joke in like everything you're watching and so you will also be a joke if you do that and then you do it and most people are actually cool and it's like oh okay what was i afraid of all this time yeah right it's interesting though that for for me metal was kind of a nice space and that one like okay one there were a lot of guys around and that was kind of nice because i wanted to be around guys anyway but uh, more than that it was somewhere i just didn't have to worry about that so much it's just Mm. that metal doesn't really want you to have to think about the big questions like that like it doesn't it it says just come into mosh it's fine leave everything else at the door was that something that was kind of was it a similar thing for you or was it quite different I think definitely it was it was similar like there's definitely something um like specifically I I came up through like grind and punk and hardcore and um like especially the way people would be dancing at those shows it's like very almost like you know become pure energy just you know just throw yourself around and you know let everything else work itself out tomorrow and so there's definitely an attraction there um i think i think using it as pure escapism is maybe unwise in the long term but definitely if you're if you're trying to put something off and you're if there's something that you don't want to think about for a few hours like get yourself to the nearest show because that's a really really good way to just like even if you don't like dancing if you just want to stand in the back like the the way the sound fucking comes into you through your sternum and the soles of your shoes it's like i yeah you you don't you don't got to think about anything you can just exist um and that that's i i think yeah i think you're right i think that that's sort of like the main attractor to this kind of music really yeah yeah totally agree the the thing that I'd kind of that I'd kind of tried to bookend what I asked you at the start, where I said you've you managed to avoid that that guy on the internet. You've not <laughs> met him in real life. Yeah, yeah. Has there been much kind of much slightly more actively affirming stuff that you've you've experienced, or has it basically been we don't care. We we're just going to kind of accept you for who you are, and we're not going to worry about that. 
or have they been kind of more kind of no you you're welcome here um there's not really been any sort of you you're welcome here but by the same token i've not asked for it and i think um i think it would probably weird me out a little bit to be honest what what i i oh god the worry with this is like you always feel like you're going to be taken as speaking for all trans people but um like for me personally uh i would much rather just sort of like slot in naturally and it you know it's like okay so maybe i'm a little taller than most girls maybe my voice is a little deeper but ultimately i'm i'm just a girl in a band and that, that's sort of how i would like to be perceived you know sure but there haven't been kind of slight more general gestures for you know people saying this is a uh, a welcoming space or we you know if you're uh, we we're we're welcoming to people from the lgbt community or, or anything like that because we've mentioned a few on the podcast that people have done things that have kind of spoken to us and i guess what i'm getting at is there have there been things where someone's not necessarily pointed directly at you personally but pointed at something which would include you and said no you all these people are welcome here and if you've got a problem with that please piss off yeah, no, there's not really been any sort of specific um, welcoming mat rolled out, but that's, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I, I personally am in favor of, you know, being part of things in a in a natural way. Yeah. Uh, I sounded quite conservative then, didn't I? I do apologize. Um, <laughs> I I feel like I feel like the uh, what you described the you know the process of like you know th this is a place for you as well and if anyone else has a problem it's their problem not our problem as a community like that sort of thing is a necessary part of the process. It's and just not something that it, you... it's not something I've experienced quite yet. I I sure I I don't doubt it is there. Is what I'm trying to say. Like I don't yeah. I do believe it exists, so I'm just yet to personally encounter it, you know? Sure. One thing that I'm interested in is that Underdark and um, a number of other bands have, have seem to be kind of the core of a pretty emerging scene within black metal in the UK, which is very much saying all that kind of racist bullshit and homophobic and transphobic bullshit we want nothing to do with that we are the opposite of that we are for inclusivity do you feel that that's kind of is it is am i wrong in feeling that's something that's kind of it's no longer just like dawn raid and a couple of other bands it's it's something that's growing it's definitely swelling for sure like um oh god I, i'm quite embarrassed in that i've forgotten the name but the uh there was a band we played with in Brighton before uh, before COVID hit. And, you know, like old school sounding two piece, you know, proper like old ass tremolo riffs, mayhem style. Really fucking good, but I've forgotten their name. I will email it you to I will email it to you later if I remember. But specifically, I'm talking about like this local opener and like even like a grassroots level, because I hear later on that their, their drummer had said some stuff and the guitarist was like, no, nah, out be gone i'll replace you wow yeah yeah and it, it's sort of like okay so people really do be following like dawn raids example and i guess to an extent our example as well like we're we're fairly vocal about it <laughs> yeah and to be honest i think that i think that's just sort of the nature of black metal as told in this country because the way I see black metal is it's kind of like an extension of folk music, ultimately. Like the uh, the 90s bands that, you know, that, that are like everyone's touchstone for the genre. They, they're the topics they handled, although like largely Tolkien bothering, they were similar to, you know, the, the local mythology in a lot of ways. And so once you... I guess once you get in the spirit of black metal, you sort of entered like the folk songwriting spirit in a lot of ways. And folk music in Britain has always been very lefty. <laughs> like yeah. there, there's absolutely no room for doubt there. 
Like, it, yeah, it's, and it's not even it's not just an English thing either. Really. No, it's, no, it's all, it, all the corners. Yeah, every part of Britain, like the the English hate their boss, and the Scots, Welsh, and Irish hate the English. It, it's yeah, it's a beautiful circle of life. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's the way it should be. It's it's um, yeah, it's something that we've all grown very comfortable with. Yeah, it's. I mean, like ultimately, like black metal lyricism is a process of mythologizing the world around you, much like it is in folk music, and so. You know, if you tap into that tradition and it happens to be, you know, in our case, the British or English, Welsh, Irish, Scottish tradition, then you're going to sort of tap into that same sort of ultimately inclusive left wing clash con clash con <laughs> class conscious spirit. <laughs> oh, words are great. <laughs> yeah. Talking is fantastic. Mm. Was it Sunderer by any chance? The the band that you were thinking of yes thank you for that <laughs> thank you google black belt and google foo right yeah yeah uh, the reason i ask is kind of it feels like now that we, there's kind of this burgeoning scene being a black metal fan in this country has kind of radically changed from where it was say 10 years ago where essentially we were kind of dependent on Alan nathrak and then a bunch of overseas bands mm. and we were kind of as a result, we were slightly dependent on the politics of those bands to kind of define our scene. Yeah. Whereas now it feels like you know people like you and me are much more kind of able to be out and open and visible because the kind of the the nature of our our world is is a bit more self defined. Does that seem like a f- fair assumption? I think so. Um, I I mean. Ultimately, any movement is going to serve the people who make it or, you know, play a part in making it. And, you know, as a result of, you know, my band, your podcast, we are, you know, we we are key players, I guess, in making the scene more inclusive. Um, I mean, if only because, oh, yeah, you know, if if only because, you know, like somebody might you know, might catch an underdark show and then be sort of like, oh, you know, so th- this is a this is a safe place for me to present however way that I feel comfortable. Or, you know, they might listen to your podcast and be like, hey, uh, so uh, I'm not the only gay metalhead out there. It's, it's I, I know that sounds really reductive, but it there are, you know, there are people who live in, you know, smaller communities who might feel like, you know, you're, you're into metal, so that's already quite a niche interest. And then you're also gay on top of that. So, it, you know, you're, you're then a minority within a minority. And so a voice like yours is really important. Cause, you know, they'll, they'll be hearing the podcast online and then be like, oh, oh, th- th- there are people exactly like me out there. And that, that's, I think, is very important for especially for young people, but just people in general. Oh well, thank you. That's a huge compliment. Well, we hope I so. We've had we've had one message which seems to suggest that 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 might ha- have happened already, which was kind of amazing. But I mean, I think by the same token, it's kind of important that people like yourself are out there, though, right? That there are people who can go to a a black metal show and say, "Hang on, is she? That's trans singer, right?" <laughs> so I so I could have I could have come into the show and been out, and it would have been fine. Great. That's kind of that's that's like the thing that changes people's minds a lot of the time is I think is always knowing people and seeing people. I think so. I think so. Um, I've got a pretty cool story. This is from my my previous band as uh, a, a grind band called Yuri. We were playing in Germany and um, and and during the you know during the set. Uh, because I, I was I was quite like vocal about it more so than I am now I think these days like I I do try to be a little bit stealth to be honest I I don't lie about it if anyone asks but you know I I don't make I don't make mention of it like I used to you know there aren't really any underdog songs about being trans but there were like two or three eerie songs about it which added up to about a minute and a half of music so also <laughs> oh, grind epics though. oh yeah prog proggy as hell dude. <laughs> But yeah, like uh, between songs, someone grabs the mic off me, and I'm like, "Okay, what what's going on here?" 
and then they come out as non-binary just like in the middle of us and i'm just like that's amazing that, that, that was honestly like the best shit that happened to me during i think any gig that i've played that that's like yeah well, i have i have probably been a part of creating a space that has made you so comfortable that you felt like announcing that to a room of strangers and fucking go you mm. you know that that was the that that was that that was pretty fucking awesome to be honest that's, that's amazing the the best shit man for real wonderful well i think on such a positive note we have we're gonna have to call it a, a, a day there thank you so much Abby. Right, it's no been problem. lovely um, to have you on the podcast it, it's been an honor thank you Thank you, Abby. We really appreciate you being on Hellbent for Metal. Her band, as I said, is Underdark, and their debut album, Our Bodies Burned Bright on Reentry, is out now. Uh, and we will be talking to another metal queer very, very soon. We mince theatrically into the Hate Crew gay bar. Now, we say sometimes that we might do a joint pick here, because, you know, although we sometimes have one album each to keep the staff from just being drowned in endless plays of Mr. Crowley or Enter Sandman or the other obvious metal songs. Sometimes we decide that actually we like the same thing, so we unite on it. And in this case, we have done just that. And we only have one pick, which we're both putting in. This is in part because what we're talking about is brilliant and we both think it's brilliant. But it's also partially because the release schedule is really, really Spartan right now. And we've just spoken about Underdark anyway. Um, Although it then goes nuts for like three months. And also Matt's list of things he wants to talk about has has got a little short. That said, he did have one for this week. But then we uh, looked them up and found that the drummer is in a literal Nazi band. And when I say literal, they have Heil Hitler in their lyrics. And it's not used ironically or for dramatic purposes. They mean it. Uh, and for obvious reasons, fuck that shit. Uh, anyway, we join forces for something definitely not Nazi and definitely wicked, which is Mortal Coil by Dirdsrit, who are a Swedish band who play a mixture of atmospheric black metal and crusty de-beating hardcore, which sounds like it should not work at all, but is surprisingly brilliant. Uh, Matt, I presume this was your introduction to the band as, as it was for me. It was, yeah. And I was actually quite annoyed at myself with this one because i listened to this when it came out which you said it was march yeah it was march i've been sitting mm. on this one for a while and just kind of haven't found the right time to bring it in yeah and i didn't go back to it for a little while and then you mentioned it and i went back to it and i was like actually i've really missed something here oops yeah i just i thought it was quite average when i first listened to it and i've i'm I'm an idiot, basically. I was clearly just not in the right headspace for it on that day because, yeah, I think this is fucking brilliant. It's abrasive yet beautiful right from the start. It's the sort of black metal type inflected thing that I'm an absolute sucker for. You know, lovely tremolo pit guitars, gorgeously tormented vocals and sort of towering melancholic leads, particularly the last track, apathetic songs. So good. All of which have a similar sort of sense of comfort but don't sound unoriginal. Yeah, I'm well into this. You say if there's a, a kind of a similar sense between the songs. There is, definitely. They definitely have a sound that you can go, yeah, that sounds like Dirt's writ quite quickly. What I love, though, is that it's not actually predictable. Like, particularly, they do, th- obviously because of atmospheric black metal and crusty D-beat hardcore having very different <laughs> tempo and very different drumming patterns, um, obviously there have to be some transitions between the two. And sometimes you get a mixture of both, but at times you just have to get out and out one or the other. But until they actually start a transition, you can't tell where it's going. Like all the transitions are really natural. When they happen, they make total sense. But you don't get kind of repeated patterns. So like the third door and apathetic tongues start in kind of black metal fury, and then they, they slow right down. I'll talk a bit more about that in a second but they could have just repeated that in the other songs but they don't and it's really like it's really clever how everything seems natural everything seems like it makes sense but it's not obvious what's going to happen next until it's already starting yeah very true and i think that's one of the sort of points why i'm annoyed at myself that i didn't get it the first time because when i listened to it the first time i think that was my problem with it it felt a bit I don't know if predictable is the right word but it didn't sort of surprise me in anywhere that it went um but i clearly 
was just distracted by something or just wasn't paying attention fully because like when I went back to this those next few times there was there was bits that came in and I was like oh shit I did not expect that I didn't sort of see it going that way but it really works it's very cool it is and like the the way they the way I think they achieve it is that they basically the elements are all really good right big riffs the drummer is wicked that, that, that's the the syncopated stuff and the d beats absolutely smack and the so the building blocks are all great but really what keeps it you know feeling natural and unsurprising is that when they switch between the elements they will rather than having kind of just this kind of hard join they will let what they're currently doing either if it's the hardcore stuff they'll let it fade away or if it's the black metal stuff, they'll have it speed up and 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 gain intensity, so that you know when the the atmospheric stuff wants to come back after something that was really you know punky, it's always a natural change of pace. It's not this kind of sudden thing. They don't jar you out of where you were. They move you on, and it's a really tricky thing to do because it, like if they fucked it up, the join would be obvious and it would be rubbish. And it would be yeah. really like bad rubbish as well. It would like no matter how good the riffs were, the songs would be like I hate to say it, but it would be fucking death heaven bollocks. It would just be a bit, a bit, another bit, the end, and it would make no sense. But it doesn't. It's superbly put together. Yeah, completely. I think it's in tracks three and four. They both have like one of the um, how they sort of transition from a pace to another is like with a sort of pick scrape, and then they sort of slow the tempo down and a pit scrape is one of those things in metal that i'm just like it's one of those cliches that i love every time um but you sort of it's so good you sort of expect it to go into almost like a thrashy sort of riff but it doesn't it does something completely different and it's it's really it just works so well um but there's some i mean some of the leads i want to talk about as well some of the lead lines um there's one oh, in they're so Grey's. good aren't they they're so, so good, yeah. good. There's one in Shallow Grey's that play. It's playing for a while, and then again they change the pace quite dramatically. The song becomes a lot slower, uh, but that motif continues, and it's amazing because something that was in the background has then been taken into the foreground, and yeah, the next yeah, yeah. part of the song actually builds around that. You know, there's like there's an arpeggiated guitar accompanying, and then another one comes in to sort of harmonise over the top. And it's things like that for me that make this record really stand out and feel unique. Yeah, and it does, doesn't it? It like it's not just there've been a, bu- a bunch of bands before that have tried to mix black metal and, and crust, and you know, some most famously Dark Throne, right? Dark Throne had that entire crusty era, and it's kind of it's they veered back towards black metal again, but there's still that crusty edge to it. And I don't actually like the latest Dark Throne album, kind of at all. Really, it's quite sad, yeah, but rubbish. <laughs> It's not very good. I don't really, I really don't understand. Like, I kind of understand what they're trying to do, but I don't like it. But what's impressive is that they, they, Dirtrit, immediately don't sound like the other bands that I've heard try to do this, or the bands that I've heard try to do this, I've just heard and gone, no, that's rubbish, and moved on from and haven't gone back to. Whereas this, I just immediately went, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's really good. I'm going to have to listen to this a few times. Yeah, it's one of those mixes between genres that on paper you know is going to be really hard to pull off and it's going to be really rare that a band is able to. But they really nail it. Yeah, they're amazing. I think the title track as well is probably my favourite song on the record. The solo is incredible and there's been some really good solos recently I've noticed over the last few months. But then the way that breaks down gives way to some really simple sort of drum rhythms and then again the pitch grade comes in. And then it goes into an almost melodic hardcore sound, obviously with you know harsher vocals, harsher tones on the instrument, but that sort of feel nonetheless. And I'm all about that. Yeah, but it's like melodic hard. It might be melodic, but it's still like filthy, right? It's it's yeah, al- that's what I mean. it's always dirt, and I love yeah, it's that. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible in a, in the best way. Oh yeah, completely. Um, I, I I think what I love in particular is how they will take an idea like that lead line you just mentioned, which, yes, of course, absolutely, that solo is wonderful, it's great. But what they will do is that they will take an idea and they will play with it and, t- and then bring it forward so it has have its maximum emotional impact. So they w- like you mentioned, they will have that idea in the background and then they will bring it forward. And what they basically want to do is make sure that you have properly 
felt something from what they're playing and you know it, make, it makes me want to rend the air and then they just let that idea go so both the third door and apathetic tongues have this thing where they build to a climax and then they just let it dissolve away and it's just kind of it gives you the massive catharsis and then brings you gently back down again at the end it's so good yeah exactly and it's a relatively short album as well it's only i think 30 eight minutes long and yeah, punk in it and it's yeah <laughs> and it's um it's only four songs but i think with all of those you know the pace changes the sort of uh build and release the tempo everything like it's it feels a lot longer but in the best way yeah it feels like they you know you've been taken somewhere and finished mm. like it's it it doesn't feel like it's just it's not Ramon's song. It's not at the end, right? It's it's like kind of the opposite of that. It just doesn't it doesn't overstay its welcome. It makes me want to smash shit up, then pause to catch my breath, then go again, and then stops before I can possibly wear myself out. It's very good. Have you come back to their first album? Uh, a little bit, but not enough to really like talk about. Yeah, I'm not a chance to check, but I'm going to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's 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 definitely going to be a band that I delve into much more because this is great well it's really cool that we could come together in this because i think it's i think we both think it's amazing uh but while we will have more new music for you next week for now that is time at the hate crew gay bar we finished this week on another in my kingdom queer uh that was said with way more drama than i probably means you probably read the audio description now it's coming uh, uh except this time instead of being someone who makes metal happen is a member of the lgbt plus community and a died in the war metalhead who uses both of those to do something else creative matt tell us a bit about pete angelo yeah so i spoke to pete angelo he is a um stand-up comic a strong man who competes in competitions he's got a lot going on and he's also a massive metalhead so um here's my chat with him I am a comedian, Peter Angelo. I am uh, technically a pansexual. I've been in a relationship with my boyfriend now for uh, six years. I have been a huge fan of metal for, God, most of my, pretty much all of my adult life, my teen years. I am a stand-up comic. I'm a truck driver in construction, and I'm an amateur strongman. So lots of stuff that don't people don't often think intersect. <laughs> yeah that's awesome well uh thanks a lot for joining us pete um the first question i wanted to ask you was what have your general experiences of being an out queer guy in the stand-up comedy world been stand-up comedy has actually been like really great i've never had to deal with like any problems especially well i haven't had any problems with comedians comedians for the most part kind of do, like it's like we're comedians that's kind of what it is as long as you're funny you know, that's it. Every so often, you know, you get like a much older comic who might be making like some type of snarky comment like, oh, I got to wipe the microphone off after that guy goes on. But uh, like really, it's been a super, it's been a very supportive thing because I came out after doing comedy for a couple years and all of a sudden it was like, oh, by the way. And so mm. comedy wise, it's been really great. Crowds have been been good and receptive. I, I mean, I... I am very aware of the fact of how I look and my size. So that does is a privilege to me that people maybe not want to screw with me as they might with some other people. It helps being a 345 pound man. So, but I, but overall it really has been a supportive and a good place to come out. And, and I'm from, I'm from Connecticut. So I'm from the Northeast of the United States I'm sure if I was come if I was doing this in Mississippi, it would be a much different story, possibly. But <laughs> overall, it's been it's been really good. It's helped me. It's helped my comedy career, and it's just been no overall no real negatives to, that stand out in that realm. Oh, good. Do you often work sort of your sexuality into your stand-up routines at all? And sort of how does that go down? I do, but because because it's such a surprise to the audience. Like I do material about working in construction and all this stuff. And then I kind of parlay it into, into about my sexuality and about how, you know, for years of what a surprise it is to people. 
and like how the weird reactions I get when people are like, oh, you don't see it and this and that. And like, you know, so they, it's become a, a real staple just because it's another I, I like stand up that has someone's perspective. You know, it's not just like, oh, I thought of a dick joke. Like, yeah, I have those. But to, you know, I I, I like to show I, I want to do it because there are people out there who like maybe don't feel like they fit that a certain mold and a certain, you know, what's expected. And if they could see me doing it, they go, Oh, okay, cool. Like, you know, there's other people out there. There's other people who necessarily don't fit into, you know, a, B and C. And I've had people come up to me afterward at shows and tell me that, which, so it's been, so I, I enjoy putting it into my, into my act. It's not the whole thing, but it's, it's a good portion of it. Yeah, sure. I mean, I personally think that's really cool to sort of subvert those stereotypes with, you know, how a lot of like metal heads look and, yeah. you know, we've sort of discussed in the pod as well about, there's generally we don't see a lot of queers in metal yeah um and i guess you know you've obviously sort of said in your um original message to us about sort of how that goes down and you being um sort of looking like a metalhead yeah exactly and then that is and it's funny too because i i really try to i always worry that i'm gonna get stuck into that whole like okay i'm i'm trying to put on this like masculine mask to you know hide who i who i am something like that and that um you know because i'm i'm into you know i guess more typically masculine things um but i always try to be like that's it's i never try to be like oh putting down anyone who maybe is more of stereotypically of what people think someone who is queer is like i try to make sure like i don't want to make people who are queer and maybe yeah are you know you know, are what people expect. I don't want you to put them like down. I want it to be that like, no, no, we're all just do what makes you happy. Like do like whoever you are, that's it. It's not an act of that. Just like enjoy yourself and kind of embrace it. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're already outcasts, you know? Yeah. You know, (laughs) like I don't want to, you know, I, cause I've, I've had people be like, Oh, do you just like, like metal? So people will think you're straight. It's like, no, I just, I like metal (laughs) sexuality completely aside (laughs) from it. Yeah, they're not tied. <laughs> yeah, they're not tied at all. Like, I just happen to like it. Um, so with you, you know, also being a metalhead, like, what have you found overall that your experiences have been being out at metal shows? Um, overall, because I mean, at a concert itself, no one really knows if you're just there, you know, walking around and stuff like that. But the metalheads that I know have been definitely the more open-minded people. I would, I found this the more into like extreme metal people are the more open-minded are the more like mainstream stuff like when people who are just like big like five finger death punch fans and stuff like that like that's their like (laughs) most extreme type of metal that's the kind of people that i find like might have more of an issue but people i i found that the people who are like real into technical death metal and people who are into grindcore stuff like that are the more open-minded probably because they're already seen as like insane for liking, you know, certain metal. So it's, so it's definitely once you get past, I feel like the like more mainstream fans that you get more acceptance as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's always interesting to, you know, dive into the dichotomy of different scenes and different subgenres in metal and sort of their acceptance. Obviously, you know, black metal is something that I'm sort of massively into and that's not the best, but you know, but I have, I found, especially like thinking of like the people I know who are, you know, who play and stuff like that. You know, they've, yeah. If they're, um, because like, I have friends who are in grindcore bands and death metal bands and stuff like that. It's just I found it's gotten better and better, especially in the more, in the more extreme like subgenres. That's great. Um, have you had any sort of explicit um positive like ally moments that you've encountered? You know, anything from anyone on the comedy or metal scenes where you've been made to feel sort of outwardly welcome for, for who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And then we have mentioned them before, but two minutes to late night, um, the whole crew there, like I, I sent them a video of my, my material, stuff like that. And they loved it. And they loved that. Basically they love that dichotomy of me, like being super into metal, but also being, you know, queer. And it kind of, they want that in front of their audience and they really championed me and they made me a part of that. And it was great because they, you know, they really believed in it. And that was that moment. They're like, oh, they, you know, 
these people like love me. They generally accept me. They like what I'm doing and stuff like that. So that was almost a, that was a cool way of having both like comedy and metal really you know pick me up and embrace me and 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 really feel like I have allies. That's awesome to hear. It's um sadly quite rare to hear, but I'm you know I'm yeah you yes that. for sure for sure. <laughs> I guess on the other hand, you know, you've said you've not really had any negative experiences with regards to sexuality in comedy, but um, I mean, besides, bes- like, besides like a couple, maybe yeah, like comments every so often, but nothing outwardly where either I had to feel, you know, in danger, or really felt yeah. like I didn't belong. And that's amazing because I did a half an hour for a motorcycle gang not that long ago. <laughs> And wow. I gotta be honest, I was nervous. Yeah. But they were super cool, and I couldn't believe how well it went. Like, so it, it's crazy how people will surprise you in like that environment. And then, oh, yeah. I'm banned from us from uh, upstate New York because they said my act was too gay. Sorry, that was one. Oh. I found out later on. Thought the show went well. Went up with a buddy of mine. Did a half hour, probably ten minutes. It was actually about my sexuality, and I got laughs. And I know I got laughs. But the guy who ran the show was like, we don't want him ever back here. Oh, like, we don't want, like, he just talked, they're like, he just talked about sex. And I was like, I didn't, but, you know, whatever. So, yeah, that 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 one, that's one that, that hit me. And I was like, man, I really didn't, you know, think, and that's always in the back of my mind. Like, even if I talk about it a little, because sometimes people ask you to work cleanish. And even though my act isn't necessarily dirty, because gay relationships technically are still sort of like a taboo thing, they automatically cross that line into controversial and dirty and like things like that. So like there's always that fear. I've overall done well with it, but yeah, like I had had that experience and that was that was definitely the worst of worst yeah. of my experiences. But I mean Yeah, for sure. I drove five hours to get there. I wasn't clamoring to get back. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, but yeah, like you were just saying, you know, I can I can imagine if that had have been a guy talking about the same stuff but with a girl instead, then I'm sure the venue yeah. would have had no problem with it whatsoever. Yeah. And I, I I told my buddy too because he told me about it through like the booker, and I was like, man, I was like, see, I wish that I wish whoever had that big of a problem with it, like, told me to my face, and my buddy was like, have you seen <laughs> your face? No one's telling <laughs> you that in person to you. <laughs> Yeah, is that is that sort of how you um, would counter stuff like that? Like you'd never feel the need to, you know, re-closet yourself in certain situations. You'd always just be like, if you've got a problem with me, fucking come to um, me. Um, it it kind of it depends a little bit. Like, I haven't had to too bad. I won't explicitly bring it up in like work situations because I just want work to be work and things like that. And if usually it's like I'll find the need to do it. You know, if it comes up, it comes up, sort of thing. Uh, you know, like I go do these strongman competitions. My boyfriend comes with me, you know, yeah. no one's ever said anything. You know, the people I've met there are supportive. It's, it's one of those situations, like not hiding it, not, you know, if I'm out by myself for whatever reason, I'm not explicitly telling people because I'm just not going to deal with the issue. If there is one, I don't, most of the time I don't think there will be, but it's just like, ah, some things I'm keeping Not everyone needs to know, at least for me sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And uh, does your boyfriend come with you to like um, gigs as well, like as in from when you're in the audience, like metal gigs? So. Oh no, he's and he's actually a huge metalhead too. Um, we actually met on an LGBT Facebook group, um, oh, nice. so he is yeah he is he's a big metalhead too. So we've been to you know countless concerts together. So that's like our big thing. And our apartment just is covered in <laughs> posters and movie posters. <laughs> yeah, and I can posters. behind you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. How could you? I mean, could you tell us a little bit more about that group? Is it a sort of? Is it a busy? Or you know, when you were on it, was it a busy sort of group? You know, we've had we've had a lot of people write to us um, at the pod, sort of saying, you know, wow, I didn't realize there were other queers out there into metal. And... Yeah, I mean, it got. I, I met I met a good amount of people through it, and like school people. And I mean, I definitely think I may have fallen off from it a little bit, but it's still fairly active. People post in mm. it, and I I can't remember how I discovered it. I just I, I don't know if I just looked up LGBT metalheads and there it was. There's, there's, yeah. But there's a there's a few offsets with like a few thousand people in them. Then there's gay metalheads oh, wow. united, LGBT you know metalheads and stuff like that. And and yeah, if 
people should definitely like check all those out. You'd 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 be amazed. There's like there's more people out there like every day. There's more people I think you know realizing it and you know branching out from what you know they think is the norm. And so there's definitely there's definitely people out there. I had a guy I had this kid come up after me up to me after a gig and he's probably like 20, 21. He's wearing a leather jacket. Comes up to me. He's like, he saw my act at the two minutes late in the thing. He was like, man, he's like, I gotta tell you like that meant the world to me. Like I didn't think there were other, you know, queer people into metal and stuff like that. And so it was just like that. I'll hold on to that kind of thing forever. That someone like legit saw it and was like, you know, it made an impact. It's important. Yeah. Um, how, you know, how much do you think that the metal scene in general so could could benefit from more groups like that or I guess you're saying if there are already out there more exposure on them because you know until you'd said that I've not really seen any of stuff like that myself it, it definitely could use a lot more because I think too it doesn't help that there's so like few you know big names like obviously we have Halford and yeah. uh this guy from Faith No More. Uh, Roddy Bottom. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> my boyfriend's a huge Faith No More fan. Um, <laughs> you know, Cynic. And, like, it's slowly, like, happening. And But, I mean, yeah, I wish we could see more prominent figures, people coming out. Because I feel like yeah. there's got to be more. And there's definitely got to be more queer people who's poor playing music and stuff like that. And, like, until that starts being more of a norm. And, you know, we, we have to show that, okay, we're accepted here, too. So, you know... That that change is gonna come when I think there's more, more prominent figures, more people to look up to and show you that like okay that's it you know, this this is for us as well because it should be like like that's what's great about I think what's great about metal it really is for everyone like I, you know I know it's been turned into a thing like oh obviously but it really is it's just it's loud fun angry music that's what that i like metal's seriousness but also goofiness at the same time yeah of course it has to have that bolt you have to be willing to like because like, i you know i love metal i like i take it seriously at the same time i'm like this is ridiculous like this is absolutely every t-shirt i owned is black <laughs> and has a fucking grim reaper on it come on <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know metalheads generally are sort of outcasts anyway so we don't need yeah you know, we don't need division within you know a hundred percent and boy are we good at division within i I feel like it is getting a bit better but like and i'm guilty of it my entire like early 20s oh forget it what an asshole i would kill me (laughs) (laughs) just like it's not real it's bullshit like shut up yeah i think i think we've all had that that (laughs) i actually so i started a podcast based solely on that um, was based. I, I started a podcast called Did I Like This with another comedian. We have a guest on. We each pick an album from our youth. We relist that we have it that was in big for us and we haven't we listened to it in a long time and we see if it kind of like still holds up for us or if like we don't we can't stand it because it's amazing. There I had a big new metal phase. I'm not gonna lie, um, but like oh, yeah. there there are some there are some albums from when I was younger I still really like and there are some that do f- nothing for me anymore. Um, like I loved Disturbed when I was younger. I can't listen to Disturbed now. It does nothing for me. <laughs> um, I used to like Five Finger Death Punch. It does nothing for me now. Like I, yeah, you those know, do like seem I, to be sort of poster bands for that sort of thing. Absolutely. <laughs> but like, but then there are some like, all right, no one, no one tweet me about it. But like, I, I still enjoy a Papa Roach song from now, from here, you know, once in a oh, while. Yeah. So I don't want down one with me. <laughs> <laughs> Great band. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even think, like I said, like, I don't, that's the thing too, is I don't, obviously, if people like Disturbed, fine, that's fine. You know, I get we need the gateway bands. My problem is it when it's like those aggro dudes who, you know, have trucks with like truck nuts hanging off of it and like tribal tattoos who like think that's like the peak of metal and talk shit yeah. about pop music and rap music and stuff like that. Yeah, but then just definitely. listen to like, it's like, all right, it's fine if you like that, but don't act like that's like this this big like pinnacle of like what metal is that's the that that's where my like that's what kind of drives me nuts you like it fine but don't act like that's the same thing as cannibal corpse no i could not agree more <laughs> just back to you quickly with your sexuality so um what have you noticed any uh, explicit sort of differences between being out in the comedy scenes and the metal scenes it's tough to say only because my me in the metal scene is more 
as a fan yeah. and being in the comedy scene is more as a, I mean, fan obviously, but more as a performer. Yeah. Um, so it, it's tough. I can't, like, I want to say standup has been more accepting, but I'm, I'm talking about it more. It's more out where music, it, it tends to be, I'm talking about the music more. Um, yeah. So, but I've, I made it a point though to talk when I when, when, with my metalhead friends about you know sexuality and stuff like that to try and see and, I, and I've actually seen locally more and more you know people you know metalheads punks like coming out as bisexual or you know um, non-binary and all these things so like I've definitely seen it making steps and steps and steps where comedy is like kind of accepting right up front with it and it's just okay that's cool all right go do the comedy where you know metal i feel like is in starting to embrace it more and i'm starting to sort of see more and more bands and see, even like seeing you know bands that i enjoy post things that are like about accepting like we would talk about power trip like power trip went out of their way to make sure that people were like knew that they were accepted and you know sure this is this band from dallas from texas but they wanted it to be known that like this is for everyone, you know, not just white rednecks. And you know, e- even though I'm queer and a white redneck, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when Riley died, obviously the um, donations um, went to an LGBT charity. Yeah. So I mean, that was great. Yep, and like that's what I, I think more and more we're seeing more and more bands like do that. And sure, even I mean, yeah, you wish you know there were more bands with queer members and things like that. But hey. I feel like a band like Power Trip and, you know, so so many others saying, hey, we're cool with all this, that stuff. Then next, you're going to get those bands that are, you do have queer members who feel comfortable and, and want to play and can feel like they're part of that scene. So it's heading in the right direction, I feel like, in terms of metal. You're always going to have your old holdouts and stalwarts, but I feel like yeah. as the older generation dies out and the newer one comes in, you'll see more and more of it. And it's awesome. Cause I feel like we'll get more new, exciting music, more music to, you know, to feel represented by, which is always nice. And more people can look up on stage and be like, you know, that's me. Like I can, I can see myself up there. Yeah. I mean, that's the important thing, isn't it? Just relatability. Um, yeah. I think, I think that's the case in so many different fields. You know, obviously we're talking about, metal but comedy as well but anything you know over here we have a massive problem with football or as you'd call soccer and like there's no one like in the top leagues there's no one out and it's like well they're not all straight are they (laughs) yeah no absolutely not i think one person and then the floodgates will open but it's it's that first you know the bravery of that first person we we just had the first um active american football player come out of the closet a couple days yeah ago i saw that yeah. for the oakland raiders now so there's been debates because I'm, I'm a big sports guy too and there's been debates so that people were mad that they're calling him the first active player because michael sam uh came out out of college right before he was drafted so he's tech but he's technically he was technically the first gay um player drafted to the nfl this guy has been in the nfl for like six years so he's the first active player people are like arguing who gets the credit i'm like i'm glad they both exist like we need like you know you know obviously michael sam shouldn't be forgotten for that step he took because i can only imagine what he went through trying to get onto a team and deal with all that and who knows what this guy's gonna go through it might be easier thanks to what michael sam did but like that's exciting to me as a lifelong athlete who's been in sports his whole life because Honestly, of all the places that I I worried about my sexuality, it was sports. Sports was the number one place I felt uneasy about who I was and didn't want to tell anyone. That was number one. Strongman has been great, but everyone's it's sort of like, can you lift something? That's all that matters. Um, (laughs) You know, and you're you're on your own too. But like with sports, I I was always worried. I always had this worry, like, oh, if I messed up people are going to think like, oh, he's queer. He can't, you know, obviously hang, he can't do it and stuff like that. Like you always play, play, that's one of the areas where that, that like macho attitude kind of still lingers a little bit. Like you, I'll be a man, that kind of stuff, you know? So yeah, yeah, sports was always, sports was always the one that worried me because I love playing pretty much every sport, but you know, you just, that's where people, you know, locker room talk, all that stuff, you know, 
you feel uneasy. I think that was a big reason yeah. why I closeted myself for so long was because sports was the dominant force in my life. And you had to be a certain way, act a certain way. That's definitely a field which has a long way to go for sure. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt, I would say that's like the biggest one, at least to me. But I mean, again, what's nice is as I got older, I actually, I play in an LGBTQ softball league. I travel the country and play in these these gay uh, softball tournaments, and that's been a blast meeting other athletes. Because like again, with metal, they're, they're, we're out there. Like we like there are gays that like sports too. You know, there's we're just like everyone else. <laughs> yeah, like that's why like everything else. Like oh, people like, like what do you mean you like sports? Like what do you mean? Because <laughs> I'm a person. It's like no one said it to my sister. My sister loves. My sister probably likes sports more than I do. But <laughs> Pete, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you and hearing about all your experiences. What have you got coming up that people can keep an eye on? Um, if you want, uh, the best place to follow me, honestly, is Instagram. Follow me at Metal Pete Comedy. I'll, you know, I post all my shows there. Um, I post a lot of my. If you want to come see me lift stuff too, I do that too as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, follow me at Metal Pete Comedy on Instagram. I'll have all my dates coming up. I'm all, I'm all over New England. I'll be in New York City a couple times in August for a festival. Um, and then Pete Angelo 13 on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Matt. Thank you very much to Pete for coming on the show. Uh, it sounds like you and Matt had a lovely time. Uh, we will hear from, I don't know why I said that in a way that was ironic. It genuinely did sound like you had a lovely time. I'm just kind of, I just have a weird voice. Uh, we will hear from someone else in our community who makes metal happen again very soon. Uh, but that is all we have for this week. We will be back again next week as normal when we, well, I say as normal, we actually have something very special for you, but I can't talk about it just yet. But you will find out about that very soon. Please keep an eye on all our social media for details. Matt, it has been a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. So I like that. That's ominous. I like a mystery. <laughs> mystery. Welcome to Hellbent for Metal. <laughs> no, that's the that's not my actual voice. Uh, until next week, when I will also be speaking in my normal voice. Listen to Underdark, though. Listen to Dirtrit, and remember, it does get better. Goodbye. Godspeed. Well, now I'm thinking of Cradle of Filth records because they did a record called Godspeed and the Devil's Thunder, which was wicked. Yeah, I fucking love Cradle. We have we talked about Cradle. We need to talk about Cradle. No, that we haven't. Okay. Yeah, oh, no, no, we've, we've definitely got camp classics for Cradle. There is so much that's not heterosexual about their music. Can't wait.